When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Myron Metcalf with Manny Hill back on another edition of Purple Daily every Friday. Uh, this is what we do. Manny, how you doing, man? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm I'm good, man. I'm I'm uh I'm I'm in LA for work and I'm staying at one of these places where you got to think too hard. You know, it's got <laughs> buttons and it's got stuff, you know, just like I don't like all that stuff. Just just keep it simple, man. I go to eat breakfast and I'm looking for, you know, a buffet, the eggs and toast and I see none of that. There's um, no bacon or anything? There's there's none of that. And you, you know, have I'm thinking bacon. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe bacon. it's like maybe I'm in the wrong room. You know, maybe this is like an event. <laughs> And the guy goes, no, 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 no. This is our. Uh, we do a European spread. What is that? What's a European spread? I don't know what that is. A European Can I just get the spread, basics. A European spread sounds like something that should be consumed in Europe. <laughs> exactly. And it's. I mean, there's no bacon. There's no. There's nothing. Um, I don't like to think too hard, man. And especially with something like breakfast, you just want to get to it, right? You don't yeah. want to have to give me my bacon and eggs. And let's make it and simple. Let's go. Give me my bacon like, and eggs what, and let's go. Yeah, why do we get to this point where we got to make breakfast complicated? A European spread. I mean, there were jellies, but it was not like regular jelly. Mm-hmm. You know, like Italian jelly. I don't care about your Italian jelly. <laughs> just give me, give me some doggone jelly. Okay, just give me some real stuff. Yep. Um, it just gets too confusing, man. Uh, I was thinking about something else that confuses me in, in the wake of that. You know what really confuses me? Mm. Uh, steroids. <laughs> performance enhancing drugs yeah. like like here's here's the thing like i know that we understand the the when you say peds or steroids we all have the image of you know probably a few guys uh, or even groups you know the steelers of the 70s or lance armstrong barry bonds mark mcguire and it sort of conjures up these images of these people who have these clear advantages uh over their competition because they took PEDs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, for the life of me, don't understand the exact advantage. And what made me think of it was the Arizona Cardinals uh, announced the suspension of Patrick Peterson, one of the best defensive players in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eight-time pro bowler. Uh, he's going to miss six games of the Kyler Murray experiment. Uh, and for a guy like that, not that the Cardinals weren't going to struggle with it, but I mean... That might be six straight losses without a guy like that on the field. And, uh, 
you know, I guess they addressed it. He, I guess his uh, PR folks, he was at a foundation event for some foundation he has. And reporters were asking him questions. And there were like PR people like, don't ask him questions. It's like, um, yeah, he just got suspended for six games. That's the only question. You know, like yeah. you can't control that. But I know the Vikings obviously have Holton Hill. Um, you, 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 when you put them on the list in football, we don't react to it the same way we do in other sports. You know, Patrick Peterson will come back after six games, and the storyline will be the time he missed, you know, whether or not he stayed in shape, Manny, whether or not he, you know, is still focused enough, or is he going to be able to bounce back? Can he help this team? That will be the narrative. The narrative will not be, Manny, you know, what he took or, you know, he's he's scarred for life or he's on a he's on a list. None of that will happen to him, right? Right. Because it's football. And, and why is that? I don't know. I've always I've always thought about that too. Like it seems like steroids are always viewed differently in football as they've been viewed in baseball. And and I and I I don't know if that has anything to do with just sort of the the way that baseball is viewed historically with, you know, numbers and records and, you know, the home run record and all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it has always seemed really strange that, you know, somebody gets busted for a PEDs in baseball. It's like a scarlet letter on these guys. You know what I mean? Whereas in football, yeah. it's just like, well, well, you know what? Yeah, he gets suspended for four games or six games or whatever, and then he comes back, and uh, we're all good. We're back to where we were before he got suspended. Yeah, no, no one cares about. Nobody I cares. Mean, I was going through the list, Manny, last night of the folks who've had uh, PED suspensions uh, over the last like decade. It's it's amazing, uh, but Akeem Talib got suspended for taking like Adderall or something. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. What, I don't even know. Like what? Um, and then you had you had Von Miller who did the whole switcheroo test. You know, working with the collector uh, who came to get, submit that test, you know, and they swapped out his sample for someone else's. He gets suspended because that's a violation. No one talks about that with Von Miller. No one talks about that with the guys <laughs> who, who've been hurt. And listen, Holton Hill, to me, if this were baseball and you had a guy in Holton Hill, Manny, who had been an undrafted free agent, a guy who kind of came out of nowhere, had no business being in the, in the, in the NFL, uh, and he, he had become sort of this great story, uh, this guy who had exceeded expectations, Manny, I think in baseball, we'd look at that guy and go, what a fraud. Yeah. I mean, everything he did was fraudulent. We can't trust any of his success because clearly this guy was taking steroids and that's why he uh, overcame the odds. In football, Manny, after four games, after Holden Hill misses four games, he's going to hold a press conference. He'll say, I'm sorry, or whatever he did. And then we're going to move on, right, Manny? We're not going to focus on Holden Hill uh, and, and PEDs. That's not going to be his storyline. Forget his career, Manny. I don't think that'll be the storyline, especially if he plays well the rest of the season. No, it'll be it'll be completely forgotten. I mean, look at look at Julian Edelman last oh, year, right? Nobody cared. Nobody Julian, said a word. Julian Edelman got suspended. What was it? Four games he missed. He got suspended. Yes. For? And he comes in after the suspension. He comes in and he plays and he has a nice season. Patriots win the Super Bowl. He's the Super Bowl MVP. And nobody's thinking twice about, wow, wow, you know, Julian. I mean, there were a couple of people that would say, you know, that would mention the, the PED suspension. But overall, nobody really nobody really cared. It didn't really it didn't really matter. And it's not, you know, when when Julian Edelman's career is over, nobody's going to be looking back at that 
that four-game suspension and say, oh, well, yeah, you know, remember that time he got suspended? Yeah. You know, remember that time he got suspended for using for using steroids or PEDs or whatever it was? So, I don't know, man. It's it, that's just that's just kind of the that's just the way people view football. It's it's just viewed so much differently than than baseball is. And you'd think it'd be the other way around, Manny, because if there is any sport where having a physical advantage could lead to some detrimental results, it's certainly football. I mean, you know, these six foot three, two hundred and seventy pound dudes running four, seven, eight, forties, like <laughs> like those guys don't need a physical edge, man. So you think we'd be in an uproar about it. But but here's the other thing. I don't think we understand what it means. Like I don't I don't think we understand like what steroids actually do. And that's my concern. It's like you you announce, okay, Patrick Peterson, six game suspension. I understand that there are things that you're not allowed to do. I get it. Holton Hill, whatever he did, I get. It. You're not allowed to do certain things. There's a list of substances that you can't take. I guess I would just like to know, Manny, how many of these guys are actively taking steroids because they're saying I need to be bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, they're all bigger, stronger, faster. That's why they're in the NFL. Right. And then, Manny, how many of these guys are saying, I play 16 games uh, on top of a preseason in, in the most rigorous sport I- in the world? Uh, I go home and I'm sore. I can barely practice. I, I need to, you know, sustain my body physically. I, I need to preserve my body. How many of those those guys are doing that, Manny? And for me, if 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 we find out that the majority of these guys are doing this not because they think they'll be, because I don't I don't know, you know, to to me I don't know if you go into, uh, you know, whatever wherever you get these steroids, all of a sudden like you know you're stronger than Aaron Donald, like all of a sudden Aaron Donald like can't whip you in the weight room, you're gonna have an advantage over him. No, that dude's still gonna toss you like Thanos as if you don't exist, right? <laughs> right. No matter what you do. So I guess I just wonder if it's time to look at a system where these guys are allowed to do what they have to do to preserve their bodies. Because I have to believe, Manny, that in some of these cases, maybe most, that that's the goal. That it's not, you know, go from a 450-pound bench press to a 500-pound bench press, but that it's I got to get from Sunday to Sunday somehow, and if I don't take something, I feel like I won't be able to do that. Yeah, and and I think again, like with football, it's it's just it's viewed so much differently because of the the physicality of the game. Because these guys are beating each other to a pulp for sixty minutes every Sunday, you know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen times a year, depending on you know how far you go into the playoffs and you know preseason games and and all of that stuff. And and I don't. I mean, I, I just don't know how to me it just it's it's never really affected me in terms of how I feel about these guys, you know, after they get busted for something. Like it just You don't care, dude. Do I, I don't I don't care. It just doesn't I'm not offended by it. I'm not I'm not and, and I'll Myron, I'll be honest. And when it happens in baseball too, I'm not I'm just not that offended by it anymore. It doesn't it just doesn't bother me when these guys are doing it because so many people have been doing it that it's just and it's so hard to measure, you know, what you know, how much of the 
performance is actually aided by the by these PEDs. I mean, it is they are performance enhancing drugs, but how much how much of the performance is actually being aided by these performance enhancing drugs? And there's no there's no real way to determine exactly how much, you know, how how many more touchdown passes a quarterback would have if he were taking Pete. Like it just I don't yeah. I don't know if there's a there's a way to really measure that. It's it's really complicated. Yeah, and I and I think that's where I'm at too, man. It's because okay, at least in baseball though, you look at Barry Bonds and you go, okay, this guy had seventy plus home runs. Uh, there's something going on there. McGuire hitting seventy, Sammy right. Sosa hitting sixties. Like at least there was a way to measure. Okay, these guys aren't hitting sixty plus home runs without whatever they're doing. Right? Mm-hmm. Lance Armstrong isn't winning. I mean, how many how many Tour de France's? Is that the plural wants, of it? Yeah. Is it Tour de France? Tour de France's? What's the what's I, I, the plural? Be, uh, that's a good question. I think it's I think, I think it's Tour Tour de France. Let's say whatever it is. <laughs> we'll roll he, with he that. Won, he, yeah, he won a bunch of them in a row. I think people thought that was a physical advantage, and that clearly there was a reason why that was happening. But like you said, football is a sport where I don't know how to measure its true impact. I don't know how to measure exactly what it's doing for Holton Hill, who again, Manny, if Holton Hill were in Olympia who had gone from a nobody to winning the bronze medal, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. Competing in a sport like track and field. We would we would put him on a list for the rest of his career, and he would never shake it. It would be like the only reason that guy has been able to excel is because of whatever he took. Football, Holden Hill's going to come back, and I'm okay with it. I, I mean, he's look, a young player shouldn't have to deal with this for the rest of his career. I'm fine with it. Holden Hill comes back. He puts this behind him, never uses the substances again, and especially if he plays well. Manny, I don't think we'll be talking about Holton Hill and PEDs in week six, let alone, you know, week five. I just think it won't be a storyline because of how we view PEDs. And if that's the case, at what point does the NFL go? There has to be a list of substances that guys are allowed to take legally. Um, in regulated amounts. Like, at what point do you say, okay, there's a player out there who is taking this for a physical advantage? Fine. That's one thing. There's another guy out there who's taking it because guess what? He couldn't get out of bed this morning, man. And and guess what? If he doesn't get out of bed, if he doesn't go to OTAs, if he doesn't compete in minicamp, if he doesn't prove himself in training camp, he doesn't have a roster spot, man. He's not going to stay on this team. He And I'm not making excuses for Holton Hill. I do think there are folks who think that way, however, though, in terms of how they compete. And it's not, I want to be faster, bigger, stronger. It's, I just want to get out onto the field. And if that's the case, Manny, isn't it time maybe for the NFL to go, let's find a way to create something so that guys can take things that give them the opportunity to have an easier week in between games. Uh, to not feel what a lot of these guys are feeling. And we're seeing the aftermath of it when these guys retire, but to, to make it easier for them to preserve their bodies, I'm okay with that. I'm in favor of that. And I think the longer the NFL says, well, here's just the list of substances, and you're going to be suspended as a result of that, I, I think it's a disservice because clearly these guys are going to keep taking them. And wouldn't you want those guys to take them within a regulated system as opposed to just going on their own to – you know, Tony up the street, wherever they're getting their PEDs and, and doing that. I think this, this, it makes more sense, Manny, I would think, for the NFL to step in and say, we got a problem. Let's find a way to help these guys uh, without going overboard. Doesn't that make sense? I think it makes sense.
Well, we we all know the NFL likes to have control of things, right? Like yeah. they they like to control things. They like to have their fingerprints all over whatever they can whatever they can grab. So, yeah, I mean that that seems to make a lot of sense. The other thing I was thinking about though too is I do wonder though if the perception of PED usage affects is 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 viewed differently not just with like baseball versus football but also within football itself depending on like the level of player that you are because remember the Peyton Manning thing the the Al Jazeera thing a couple yeah. of years ago you know and and there was allegations of PED HGH usage and and all that stuff with Peyton and that was a big story and Peyton came right Huge. out and he it was it was a major story and Peyton came right out and said I didn't do any of these things. This is this is this is BS. None of this, you know, that whole thing. And I I wonder if and again, I'm not alleging anything of Peyton here, but I wonder if it had turned out that he was using those things that he was accused of using, if that would have changed the perception of him because of the the level of player that he was, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time versus a guy like a Holton Hill who is just trying to make it in the league, you know? Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, if you had a Brady or a Drew Brees or an Aaron Rodgers call for PDs, I think that would stick in, in, in ways that it wouldn't stick to a lesser player. I don't think it would define their careers, however. Sure, I mean, that's I think fair, that's yeah. the difference when you talk about the Barry Bonds and McGuire's and it, 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 it's defined their careers in the eyes of a lot. I mean, they're not in the Hall of Fame because of – PEDs. I mean, there, there are baseball voters who are just now starting to go, you know what? We don't know who took PEDs, so we're going to put all these guys in uh, because that era is so dirty, it's impossible to distinguish between uh, folks who are quote-unquote clean and those who are using. Uh, but even if a just don't think it would stick uh, to them the way you know things stick to players in other sports, and, and I think the NFL is just one of those places where you just, you know, it's almost like you expect it. You know, like, oh, guy gets a PED suspension. You expect it. But no one's going to go back on Patrick Peterson, Manny, and go, you know what? I bet that guy's eight Pro Bowls were all fraudulent. You know, this guy isn't. <laughs> this guy isn't who we thought he was. Um, this is a guy who clearly was doing this his entire career, and, and that's why he has an, an edge. No, they're going to say this guy was smart. He had the technique. Uh, clearly, he had the talent the ability to make this happen, to, to be this kind of player at this level, Manny. But there are folks who don't remember that Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer before any of the home run. Like before the home run splurge, it's Barry true. Bonds was arguably one of the greatest players, one of the top five or six players uh, of all time to me. Yep. I mean, you look at in terms of what he was able to do, look at all the gold gloves. This guy was already great before he took steroids. But people don't remember that. People will go back and go, well, his whole career. No, it's not his whole career. But that's just how we view that sport. And I think it's unfortunate. And, again, I'm not making an excuse for a Holton Hill. Um, he's suspended for a reason. Uh, and he's going to have to bounce back from that and face questions about that whenever he does come back. Yeah. But I also think that he's not going to be defined by it. And I'm okay with that. Because I don't think the Holton Hills of the world think that they're going to somehow – get an extra tenth of a second on their 40 time mm -hmm. or or they're, they're going to somehow just gain this physical edge in a league full of freaks. I think there are guys like Holton Hill uh, who go, I got to get out of bed 
You know, I, I gotta I gotta get out of bed and I gotta practice and compete because there's just no way for me to get on this team if I don't. You know, and, and that to me is the temptation of some of these guys more so than the dude at LA Fitness or Lifetime Fitness who is trying to look a certain part on Instagram and he's taking photos and selfies and he's, he's man, I see some of those guys in my gym, dude. And it's scary. It's like, dude, you, you are clearly using this stuff, you know, and you got the acne all on your back, all the side effects. Those guys are one thing, but I, I think there are a lot of guys who play the NFL who are going, man, this is a hard sport. It's hard on your body. And, and I just need something that's going to help me get from point A uh, to point B, and I think I, I, I guess I hope there's a system in place at some point that allows them to do that. Manny Hill, uh, Myron Metcalf, we're going to be back on Purple Daily with Jeff Schwartz of ESPN, former NFL offensive lineman, to talk about the Vikings O-line after this. Because the Vikings are on your mind all the time, not just during the season. Purple Daily on Score North. ScoreNorth.com. Bill Mackey here for Federated Insurance. Now, if you listen to the radio show, I'm a numbers guy. Here's a couple numbers that should really get your attention. 2.4 million injured and 35,092 dead. Those are National Safety Council numbers from 2015. Federated Insurance reminds us that these are much more than just statistics. These are family members, friends, and neighbors. Distracted driving continues to be an epidemic. It could happen as easy as this. A driver approaches an intersection with a traffic light and they become distracted reading a social media post. They run the red light and collide with another vehicle, killing the driver and severely injuring themselves. So ask yourself, do you multitask while driving? Do you ever closely follow the vehicle in front of you? Do you find yourself checking your phone for messages while you're driving? Well, according to the Minnesota Department of Public Safety, there are 815,000 distracted drivers on Minnesota roads at any given time. Don't become a statistic. Make it home safe today. To learn more, contact your local Federated Insurance Marketing representative. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Back on Purple Daily, Myron Metcalf, Manny Hill. Uh, we have Jeff Schwartz uh, of ESPN and former NFL offensive lineman, uh, definitely a guy who uh, overcame the odds. Um, Jeff, in, in Minnesota with the Vikings, obviously there's been a lot of talk about offensive linemen. And, and here's the conversation that I don't understand, right? We, we talk about what separates a Brady Breeze from a good quarterback. Well, you know, a great quarterback from a good quarterback. What separates a great linebacker, a great running back from just sort of an average uh, running back or linebacker? When it comes to O-linemen, we put them all in a bowl and say, well, they're all pretty much the same. But you know that's not the case. What, what Jeff, makes the difference between uh, a great offensive lineman and someone who's a step below that? Like, what are the qualifications and the character uh, characteristics you have to have to be great at that position in this league? Oh wow, this is a tough question. I don't think there's, I don't think there's there's one characteristic, but I will say that the one thing that I think sets apart um, players on the offensive line from from other players is the ability to finish your block. And look, finishing your block, a lot of people and I look, I put a disrespectful blocks the week out every week during the season, so I I do highlight the best pancakes of the week. But that that really is not what finishing your block is about. It's great, obviously, when you can pancake someone, but it, it's it's taking the man you're blocking further than he wants to go. So you're moving the man against his will uh, further than he wants. It's a great feeling, by the way. It's an awesome feeling. But I think that's what sets apart a lot of guys. A lot of players can initially get where they're supposed to go 
um, but they can't finish the block. And finishing the block would just mean sealing the guy off. And instead, you know, you, you, he beats you across your face and it's a tackle for loss. And that's what set guys apart. Guys pretty much know what they're doing and they know what they're supposed to do, but it's doing the finishing part. And that, and that finishing part, by the way, encompasses having good technique because you can't really finish if your hands are in the wrong place, if your feet are in the wrong place, if you're at the wrong angle, you don't know where the ball carriers. There's all the things that, that play into that. But I think that being able to finish is very important. And as a unit, good units typically are players that play together for a while. Um, yeah. and get used to playing with each other, or if they're special talent. I mean, we saw the Colts last year come together really quickly. Um, a lot of it had to do with just Quentin Nelson's attitude. He just was such a, a ball buster that kind of everyone got in line with him, and he was such a good player that he became the leader of that unit and the physicality of, of his play kind of took over. So, again, that goes back to finishing. He's a great finisher. So being able to finish your block is, is the most important thing. Uh, Vikings just signed a, a, a rookie, a promising rookie, and, and Garrett Bradbury uh, signed uh, Josh Klein. One of the greatest challenges, uh, Jeff, I think this O-line has had is just a lack of continuity. So many injuries in, in recent years. H- how does that affect an offensive line when you're on that line, but you don't know who's going to be next to you from week to week due to injuries or other issues? How important is that to have that continuity? It's tough. Um, you know, I played next to Marshall Newhouse in 2015 it was probably the longest stretch i had in my career playing next to someone for an entire time it was like 11 weeks in a row before i got hurt and you just develop your own language and i guess i've been playing with the western richburg to the center and we just develop our own language so you know you don't ever have to say anything you're just like hey you see this and he's like yeah i got it and then you don't give away tips because the defense knows some of our calls a little bit of our calls so we have pretty much there's universal calls along the offensive line that the defenses know but Otherwise, it's great when you can just be like, hey, Marshall, you see this? Watch that, right? Like, we <laughs> know what that is. We'll have to say, like, okay, here's a safety, Marshall. You just say, like, look, 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 there he is. Like, we know, we, we know what's coming. We know what we're doing. That's what it is. And you play faster. And when you play faster and with more confidence in your ability and what you're supposed to do, you play better. And that's yeah. what happens when you play with someone for so long is you figure out what the noises mean. You know what <laughs> you're supposed to do. You can also make adjustments. Hey, man. I need you to do this this week because I'm struggling. Or I need, you know, this is what we have to do this week because this is what has to get done. Hey, can you just tweak your technique a little bit? You know, you also get used to double teams. Okay, I'm, a, I'm this type mm-hmm. of double teamer. Marshall's this type of double teamer. This is how we're going to work with double teams. Hey, we need to make adjustment in the game. Can you do this? It, it, that, all, that makes it much easier to do when you play next to each other. And it's a big advantage. And we see often that the best offensive lines, again, National Football League are healthy. The best example of this, by the way, was last year, the Cowboys. Travis Frederick, the center, was out all year. They were a wreck for the first about eight weeks when they fired their offensive line coach. They were missing Mike linebackers. They weren't ideeing things right. Uh, he's back this year. I expect them to take a big jump forward. Jeff, what do you think of Garrett Bradbury, the first-round pick for the for the Vikings? As a, It sounds like he's going to step right in at center and be the starting center. And it looks like Pat Elfline's going to slide over to guard but what were your impressions? Did you get a chance to watch a lot of, of Garrett Bradbury at NC State? And if so, what are your what are your overall thoughts on him as the Vikings took him at 18? Well, correct me if I'm wrong here. Kubiak is calling plays in Minnesota, or he's a consultant? He's a consultant. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Stefanski, I think, is going to call the plays as the offensive coordinator. Well, Bradbury is the ideal center for Kubiak's offense. Uh, he is a zone-blocking machine, which is what Gary Kubiak is known to be 
good at and what he calls, and that's what you want in Bradbury. 6'2", six, 6'2 two, six, two reminds me a lot of Ryan Khalil. I played with Ryan for, for three years, and Ryan is an outstanding center, was an outstanding center. He's now, um, I think, done playing, and it, it, this is the guy you want. Uh, he's going to execute all the blocks in the offense that, that you'd like. You're talking about finish, this guy's going to finish his block. Um, he's exactly what you want in this offense. If this is a different offense where you're running a lot more power things, you're moving more up the field right away, I'd kind of worry. But in this offense, if, if Kubiak is kind of in charge or at least has some say in what generally the scheme might be, this is a great, great draft uh, draft pick for the Vikings. He fits exactly what they want to do. Jeff, you got a guy in Kirk Cousins who was sacked 81 times uh, over the last two years. Um, What happens, and I keep asking about the relationship with offensive linemen, but if you're an offensive lineman and guys are getting through to your quarterback like that, how does that erode that relationship or or that connection when you guys just aren't necessarily on the same page? Oh, it's the worst. Like I I think I gave up um, like, I don't know, seven, eight sacks in my career, nine sacks, maybe like ten in, in, in all the years I played. I mean, it's the worst, man. Even just individually, you feel like you let your quarterback down. It could be, it could be just a simple uh, mental error, which may, almost makes it worse. You know, you're gonna get beat sometimes as part of the game. It's it's the worst, man. And, and a quarterback, you hope you've built up enough equity with the quarterback to realize that you know it's gonna happen, and he, he understands you still have his back. And it is tough when you when you do that. Uh, you know, for so long when, when you're just getting hit, like Cousins has been getting hit, you lose. You, you know, you do lose a little bit of faith. It makes you a little gun shy back there. You you leave the pocket a little bit early. You don't trust the protection. You might throw the ball and check down when the guy's kind of open late and, and things like that. So, uh, but I do think the confidence can come back pretty quickly. You have a good training camp. You get more in the groove of things, and you feel like the offense is going in the right direction. So, I, I think that. It can be repaired quickly, but it really it sucks giving up a sack. I mean, that's our job. Our job is to protect, for, you know, protect the quarterback and not get him killed. And it um, it's a it's a bad feeling. But I've generally found that quarterbacks um, get over it at least if they trust you quickly enough. Jeff, how quickly do you think this the chemistry between Kirk Cousins and Garrett Bradbury, you know, as the quarterback and center, how how quick of a of a development of that chemistry do you think we're going to see i mean with bradbury stepping in as a rookie right away and he's got this veteran quarterback behind him um you know what what is going to go into that the the development of that chemistry to to make sure that they're on the same page right away as the season starts i think what happened fairly quickly i mean bradbury's an experienced center he played with an experienced quarterback in finley uh at, at nc state and you know big boy conference um, I don't think there'll be any concerns about that. I, I really, I, I can't see that being an issue. Um, and also, I don't know how the Vikings set up their offense. You know, most of the time, you know, centers are in charge of, of IDing the front. You know, where we're working to, what linebacker in the run game and in the pass game. Oftentimes, the center and the quarterback work together. Um, some offenses, they just want the quarterback to ID the the mic uh, or who we're working to. You know, if uh, if that's that sort of offense, I don't think the Vikings have that offense. Uh, it's nice to have the center involved in that process. Kind of takes a layer out for the quarterback uh, to do, and that takes some time. So I, I think that early on, 
that part of it will have to be kind of sorted out between between Bradbury and Cousins, and hopefully at some point Bradbury can take that over by himself. But I really don't foresee any issues. Um, he's, a, like I said, he's, he's a good player. Bradbury's ready to play now. Cousins is a veteran. I, I don't think there'll be much of a, of a concern there. Um, they'll learn the offense together, and, and they'll be fine. Uh, Jeff, you mentioned Quentin Nelson, uh, one of my favorite players, and I think just a guy that people don't talk enough about and how he, I think, changed the identity of that Colts line. When that happens, is that just one guy? I mean, is it is it a a, a, a mentality change for the entire line? Like, how do you change the identity of an entire offensive line from one season to the next like that? It wasn't even like a season. It was like it was like a week, <laughs> like yeah. a week for, for Quentin Nelson to take, take over. Um, I think that you just want to rise to the level of the player who's the best. I mean, you don't want to let that guy, even though he's a rookie, you just don't want to let that guy down. I mean, I've played on offensive lines, and, and you know we've had some, some butt kickers and some guys that finish really well. You don't want to be that guy on the offensive line that, that's not the finisher, that, that's not finishing guys, that, that, that's not being physical, that's not doing their job. You don't want to let the whole unit down. And when you have a guy like Quinn Nelson who raises the level of that type of play, then you want to be that. You want to be part of that unit too. You want to be part of the, the unit that's going down through the finishing block. So it can happen quickly like that. I mean, I think we saw what he can do. I mean, that dude just loves football. He loves playing football. He's all about it. And, it can happen fast to change. So maybe Bradbury can bring that change to the Vikings offensive line. I don't think it's quite the finisher that Quinn Nelson was. Um, but that is, it can change very quickly. Like, like I said, you don't want to be the, that one offensive lineman who's just not, you know, being or being up to the standard of the rest of the unit. And then real quick, Jeff, favorite memory from your time in Minnesota, 2012. Unfortunately, probably when I left, it was a bad year. Um, it's the one year I have in my career that I don't look fondly upon. I think the Vikings fans were, were fine. The city, I actually was probably surprised about Minneapolis. Okay, this is a non-football thing, um, but I, I never lived anywhere that had snow, really. I mean, I live in yeah. North Carolina. We get snow, you know, once a year. It's gone in like a day. So it's not a big deal. I remember the first time it snowed, it was like December, and it felt like a foot. And, and I thought in the morning it just wouldn't be there. Like it was like in the south. It was there the next six weeks because we were in the playoffs that year. Um, I mean, look, we had 2,000 yards that year with, with Adrian. It was a lot of fun to watch him, especially playing through that sports hernia the last six weeks of the year. I mean, it was, it was remarkable. I mean, we didn't even practice really much with Adrian. He would come on Friday and do, do basically a 10-minute walkthrough of all our runs and then come out on Sunday and rush for 200 yards. It, it was fantastic to watch him do that. You know, I just, I had some issues with the coaching staff and they weren't very honest with me about their intentions. And look, it, I, I was in my fifth year, I was what, 27. I mean, just tell me the truth, man. If you're not going to play me, don't play me, but just don't, just don't lie to my face about playing time. I just didn't appreciate that. Um, but everything else, it was fine. I was, you know, the fans were great. Um, the city was fine. And obviously Adrian Pearson was 2000 yards, but I, I couldn't wait to get out of there. As soon as, that last game was over. We lost the Packers. I was I was home on Monday. I was ready to get out of there. Well, Jeff, the great stuff as always, man. Really appreciate your time, Jeff Schwartz. Uh, thanks for joining us here on Purple Daily. All right, take care, bud. It's Purple Daily on Score North. Myron Metcalf back here with Manny Hill on Purple Daily on Score North. ScoreNorth.com. Uh, another Friday, just had Jeff Swartz, who was great. Um, 
very honest often. about very honest about his time in Minnesota. <laughs> very, very, I, and I respect that for yeah. sure. Um, I also just love hearing. I just think oh, offensive line is just one of those deals where we really don't understand what it takes to be great, what it takes to even be good. Um, and I think that's going to be the big question with Garrett Bradbury and, and, and the new pieces that the Vikings have added. I also think he asked a very in- interesting question as well, Manny. Who's calling the plays? Um, I, I, I think Gary Kubiak, I could see a scenario where Gary Kubiak maybe isn't directly calling plays, but I think he's going to have a lot of sway in terms of you know, the culture of this team yeah. and what it does offensively. I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah, I mean, he's Judd Zolgat has said it several times that Gary Kubiak is essentially head coach offense. Mike Zimmer is the the overall head coach and head coach defense, and Gary Kubiak is head coach offense. So he's not going to be calling plays, but he is going to I think he's going to be heavily influencing what this offense looks like and the approach that they take every single week. He's gonna have a big part of that. And Kevin Stefanski is gonna go out and, and, and execute the game plan. He's obviously gonna have a big I think you know Stefanski will have a big say in in what happens on offense but this is going to be Gary Kubiak's offense through and through and the only reason we're okay with that in terms of having all these folks making these decisions is because of the Gary Kubiak right I mean if this, yep. if this were someone without the name without the reputation without the background I don't think people would have the same uh reception the same reaction to this but because it's Gary Kubiak and he's a proven uh, coach, he's a proven leader. That's when we go. Okay, you know what? He's going to do more to help uh, than harm. I wonder with the Minnesota Vikings. I was doing doing some research, Manny, about just the significance of how you start a season, right? Yeah. So I went back the last three years. Uh, in the last three years, if you look at the teams that ended the season in the AFC and NFC championships, uh, Patriots, Saints, Rams, Chiefs last year. They went 12-3 and last September. In 2017, the Patriots, Jags, Vikings, and Eagles, those were the final four teams. Mm-hmm. They went 8-4 and four that September. Patriots, Steelers, Falcons. Man, the Patriots are – can somebody else replace them? Like, <laughs> like, like goodness, man. They're every the only time team – Well, I mean, every time we think they're going to be done, then they're not, you know. <laughs> They're the only team that repeats on this list I have, man. Like, it's like, come on, man. I know. know. Let somebody else in, man. Like, in 2016, Patriots, Steelers, Falcons, Packers, Mm. that was the year where uh, Tom Brady misses the four games uh, with the suspension. Still, those four teams went 9-3 and that September. Point being, it's very difficult in the NFL to regain your footing, to regain momentum. I know what the Colts did. Last year, but that's an exception to the rule. Yeah. Um, you know, building that rebuilding momentum or, or gaining momentum after September is just a really difficult thing to do. And, and I think we can agree with this, Manny. As much as I think the Vikings have uh, addressed their weaknesses, now you can say what you want about the personnel moves and who they use to address some of these deficiencies, Manny, but they did. I mean, they went out and they said, we have these problems and we're going to try to fix them. Yep. But I think we can all agree, right, Manny, that this is not a team that is going to be good enough to overcome a terrible start. I mean, nothing about this team to me suggests 
okay, they can somehow come out and, and be a team that, you know, can win big uh, after going one and three or something. No, you're 100% right. And they don't have the they don't have the equity built up to to get off to a poor start cuz we've seen the Patriots. I mean, what's interesting about the records that you laid out, I'm willing to bet that in all of those years that the Patriots have a good chunk of those losses <laughs> yeah. because we've always <laughs> seen them sort of get off to like, you know, and I don't mean that they, you know, that they're 0 and 3 or that they're, you know, 1 and 4 or anything like that in the first month of the season, but sometimes you'll look up at the end of September and the Patriots are like 2 and 2, you know, and you're wondering, okay, are they, is this it? Is Tom Brady finally hitting the wall and then of course they go on a run. Um but we we've grown accustomed to the Patriots being that way so that if the Patriots get off to a two and two start, there's not as much concern because we know that they're going to recover. The Vikings don't have that luxury. No, the, the Vikings are two and two or one and three. A lot of people are going to be asking questions, and a lot of people are going to be nervous, and a lot of people are going to be wondering what's going to happen with this team the rest of the way, and can they recover from it? So, no, I'm a hundred percent with you. They have to get off to a good start. If they're going to make the playoffs and, you know, I'm looking at their first four games, Myron, the first four games in September, home against the Falcons, then they're at Lambeau, home against the Raiders, and then they're at Chicago. Whew, I mean, That's nasty, isn't it? I mean, that, It's that a can little be nasty, ugly. yeah. The home games, I think, are really winnable, but you've got two divisional road games in the first month of the season at Green Bay and at Chicago, and that's not going to be – those two games are not going to be easy. So yeah. it's it's going to be really important for this team to win win both of those home games, which are very winnable. I think you know I think Atlanta will be a good solid team this year, but the Vikings are going to have them at home to start the season. So win yeah. that game. You've got the Raiders coming in a couple of weeks later. I honestly don't know how good or bad the Raiders are going to be. I'm so torn on them because of the 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 AB acquisition. But then you kind of wonder, okay, do they you know how much how much else do they really have? Is is Derek Carr really the guy? But that again, that's a game that the Vikings should win at home. No. Now you're looking at the two road games at Green Bay, at Chicago. If you can find a way to win one of those and you're three and one at at the end of September, you'll take that. But yeah. if you're if you drop one of those home games and then you lose both of those road games to Green Bay and Chicago, then now you're one and three, and now you're wondering, okay, what the hell's going to happen with this team the rest of the way? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the good thing about playing the Raiders is we know that everything that John Gruden does in terms of you know research and scouting, it's going to be on black and white film because everything he does from 1974, uh, including his <laughs> offense. So, I mean, the good thing is you know that they're not going to do anything to surprise you. But I, I mean, to your point, Manny, and you make all great points. Yes, I mean the ceiling is a three and one team. I think that goes into October looking like uh, a squad that has the the building blocks of being a playoff team again, right? But I think the other extreme seems very possible as well. I mean, this Falcons team never was healthy last year, right? And if they get healthy uh, coming into the season, I think this could be a really scary team to play in, in day one. I and mean, I feel like that's a Falcons team that feels a lot like the Vikings and. They want to make a statement and put last year behind them too, and then you go to Green Bay, uh, and, and you know obviously that's always a contentious game. 
this John Gruden Raiders team with AB. And I don't think anybody, I mean, it's, I think we can all agree that, you know, the Bears at the Bears in no, September 29th, that's a loss, right? And that's okay because <laughs> yeah. that's just what happens when they play the Bears on the road. But I think that there are some scary games in here. Which is the game that scares you the most of these four? Which is the game where you look at and go, if they lose there, uh, the mudslide could begin for this team? For me, it's the Raiders game. Yeah. It's the Raiders game. And the reason why is because, A, I have no idea how good, like I said before, I have no idea how good or bad the Raiders are going to be. And, B, I go back to last year. Remember the Buffalo game last year? Oh, man. Everybody when had Josh Allen was, looking like Michael Vick. That was everybody was surefire win. Oh, the Bills are because t- the Bills had played <laughs> at Baltimore like the week before, like two weeks before, and it looked terrible. And it was just like, oh, yeah, the, the Bills are awful, and they got this rookie quarterback, and the Vikings should be able to take care of business. And Buffalo came in and punched them in the mouth, and the Vikings never recovered from that. And the Bills kicked their butts all over U.S. Bank Stadium, and everybody was looking around like, whoa, wait a minute. That was not supposed to happen. What what is wrong with this team? So if the Vikings are not careful, I feel like that Oakland game could be be a similar type of thing where – they're they're underestimated because we're sort of viewing the Raiders as sort of this, oh, they're kind of this dumpster fire, and John Gruden and, and Mike Mayock are making all these moves, and what are they doing, and oh, they get Antonio Brown, how's that going to work, and oh, they traded Khalil Mack last year. So the Raiders are kind of viewed as being sort of this, kind of this dumpster fire that people don't really know what they're, we don't know what we're going to see out of them. We don't know how good they're yeah. going to be or how bad they're going to be. And the Vikings are going to have to be careful with that one. So that, that's the game out of those first four. That's the one I'm looking at that's like that's the one that they really got to be careful with. I mean, Green Bay and Chicago, at Green Bay, at Chicago, I mean, that's you're either going to win those games or lose those games. And it's not yeah. e- either way, either, either result of those games is not really going to surprise me. But that that game against Oakland is uh, that's the big one for me that that you have to be careful with. I mean, Mandy, they're starting uh, against two former MVPs uh, at quarterback and a third guy in Derek Carr, who quietly had one of the better seasons of his entire career. Yeah, and after a he guy was an MVP candidate. He was an MVP he, candidate at one point a few years ago. If he doesn't get hurt, yeah. I believe it was that 2015 season where they were rolling. If he doesn't get hurt. Uh, that entire playoff picture would have changed. Um, and I think he would have certainly been in contention for MVP. The three quarterbacks they're facing in the first three weeks, all with something to prove, scary. That's a scary Vikings fan. To me, it's week two at Green Bay, and here's why. Okay, You're playing a Green Bay team that did things this offseason to try to make Aaron Rodgers a more – uh, you know, modern quarterback, give him a more modern scheme that opens up the field. You bring in a Matt LaFleur, you bring in a guy that, like, we don't really know what to expect with Green Bay. You know, we don't really know what they're going to do differently from past years. But I think if you go into that game after maybe being torched by Matt Ryan, after maybe struggling there as well, and if you go to Green Bay and you just get torched by Aaron Rodgers in this new offense, that to me is one of those things where Mike Zimmer loses some confidence because – Everything's being set up for Mike Zimmer to focus on his strengths, which is defensively, right? 
So that's obviously what everyone was talking about with Gary Kubak. This creates opportunity for Mike Zimmer to be Mike Zimmer and do what he does best. Manny, I think if you go to Green Bay after a tough game in week one, win or lose, if you win or lose week one, and you go to Green Bay, and this is a team, the kind of team you know you have to defeat to compete in this division, uh, I think that's one of those things where you could be going into week three in that scenario that you mentioned, the one like Buffalo. Oh, man, we're just coming after a tough game against Falcons. Uh, we're tough game. We lose to the Packers. Man, we're at home against Oakland. This is, to me, the kind of team that can lose focus in that moment, and you might lose your first three games. And if you lose your first three games, you're not going to the playoffs. I mean, that, to me, is how easy it could be over for the Minnesota Vikings just because I don't think they're going to regain momentum. So I think you have to go to Green Bay and have a great effort and have a great performance because this is a new team that's got some new wrinkles. You have some new wrinkles. And if you're not competitive there, I think you're in trouble. You go back to last year, Manny. If they went on the road at Green Bay the way they should have and you don't get the tie, uh, that's a different situation yeah, they're in the for playoffs. everybody involved. Yeah, in that's a situation. Where, so for me, uh, this is a crucial game, and I just think – they're, they're dangerous uh, with a new leader, and you got to show up uh, in a divisional game in Week 2, which is tough for anybody. But against a rival like the Packers, you got to have a big game uh, on the road with that defense if you're the Minnesota Vikings. 100% agree, man. 100% agree. Great time as always. Manny Hillmeyer, Metcalf, Purple Daily. Score North will be back next week. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 1. She was a city girl, but always somewhere else in her head. Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.